biggest games. Events. Wow, the crowd is on their feet. The biggest stories. This for... is what you signed up for, Seth. I thought it was you asked for in the game. Welcome to the ESPN Esports Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Esports Pod. Rachel here today, Jacob on the desk. Jacob, why don't you kick things off by telling us what you did this weekend? So this weekend I was at the E-League Boston Major, the Counter-Strike Major in Boston at Aganis Arena, the Boston University Stadium. Um, it was great. It was a really fun event. Uh, I've not been to a Counter-Strike Major in a year since I did not get to go to the one last year in Europe. So um, I ended up going to this one, which uh, I went to the E-League one the previous year. And E-League is just like continued to scale up. So they started their Atlanta studio which is just like a, it's basically like a built-in arena in the Turner studio. It's like right next to the NBA on TNT studio. Um, and yeah, that was like, the first time I saw that was in May of 2016. And then last year they went to the Fox Theater, which is like the one of the best, most historic theaters in the city of Atlanta. I went there a lot as a kid for Nutcracker and all sorts of things because so they do all sorts of shows. That was awesome. It was probably about 2,000 people last year. And then this year it was about 5,000 people and it was at a hockey stadium. So um, they just continually scaled up. Uh, I got a video of like the, the intro that I actually didn't get to put up anywhere just for myself. It was kind of nice to like see the pyro and everything, like the pyrotechnics that they had. And it was just really well done event. And, uh, Turner, Turner aside from like just doing a great job at production, I think that they lucked out again, uh, two years in a row now with the actual gameplay part of it, which they have no control over. And uh, the gameplay was great on top of the really solid production. So it was a good event. I, uh, very much enjoyed it. Yeah, and I wanted to ask really quickly, because I'm not an expert on CSGO, you know this, and I'm not going to pretend to be an expert, but Eli did something interesting this year, which I paid more attention to, was that the format was this new Challengers and new Legends format. What did you make of that, or what were your impressions of it? So it was mostly renaming, um, and also a little bit different. It was a Swiss format instead of a group stage. Uh, so it was mostly renaming, but like the, the major qualifier led directly into the, the major itself. And it was like the major qualifier, I believe, was the new challenger stage is what it was called, or it was, it did have a new name this year. And they had three different stages. Uh, so I think it was new challengers, new legend, or no, new challengers. Uh, new, was it new legends? Whatever the, yeah, it was new, new legends, legends yeah. which was the middle stage and then new champions, yeah. which was the final stage. Um, and basically that was previously the major qualifier, the major group stage, and then the major playoffs. And so this weekend was the major playoffs. Uh, and then they had the major, uh, group stage or the new legend stage, which was in Atlanta. And they actually, those people qualify into the next major as well. They just don't get a high seed, which the eight people that played this weekend do. Um, and so, a little bit different format. Uh, I I liked it. I didn't get to go to the first two weeks in Atlanta. I just went to the playoffs in Boston. Um, so I'm curious to see what that looks like reportedly in London, um, which was the reports this weekend, which will be at SSE Arena in Wembley, according to Double Tap and a few others that That'll reported that. Yeah, it will be really great. Um, and it's ran by ECS, which is uh, the Face It and Twitch uh, partnership is an esports championship series. And uh, they ran the CSGO event this past winter in Cancun, Mexico, that went really well. So I'm right. um, curious to see what they do with the major. So Right. And like you mentioned, I think the biggest story of E-League was the first ever North American team won their first ever major. 
Yeah, so I mean, they were the, on Saturday. They became the second North American team to even ever qualify for a major final, and then Sunday they won the major final, which was huge. Uh, it was a incredibly impressive victory. I think a lot of people had pegged them to lose to G two in the quarterfinal. The fact that they made it past G two was pretty awesome because G two is the French super team. Um, they formed up last year, and then uh, they. They also beat SK on Saturday, which a lot of people didn't expect. That was a really good series. And then the phase series on, su- phase series on Sunday was maybe the best series of Counter-Strike I've ever watched. And uh, it was really great to see that in person. Right. And I wanted to ask you, like, what was the attitude towards Cloud9 before the games against FaZe in the finals? I mean, they defeated two of the best teams in the tournament right before that. So was it like an atmosphere of hope? Uh, it was definitely pride. It was nationalistic pride. So... Um, this is an anecdote that will be in my feature later in the week, but, uh, the Cloud9 jerseys, they didn't actually ship them from Atlanta to Boston. E-League forgot. And, um, so they put in an emergency rush order with Cloud9 to get jerseys there to sell at the merchandise stores. They ordered 200 of them and they were gone in 90 minutes on Saturday. They opened them up at noon on Saturday, and they were gone by, like, one thirty. So you weren't able to get your hands on one? I didn't get one. I did have a friend that got one. We went over there, and he was like, I really want one, and they had small and medium, and he was a medium, so it worked out perfect for him. Um, but, yeah, like, that, there was so much pride. Like, uh, during both the SK series and the Phase series, the crowd was chanting, send them home, which was, <laughs> like, there was, yeah, like, a North American major, North American player, because the last time it happened was ESL 1 Cologne 2016, it was Liquid that made it to the finals versus SK, and like there's the crowd had no horse in that race at that point. Brazilian team, North American team, European soil. Like this was American team versus Brazilian and European teams on American soil. So it was very much like nationalism at its its best, I guess. It was, that was the NA team, in a major. So yeah, uh, the attitude was every time Cloud Nine did something, and even when they lost, like even when they lose a round, it was Cloud Nine, Cloud Nine, and like people just trying to get them them up and i asked players after i was like can you hear something could, could you hear that because i know they have noise canceling headphones and uh they told me we couldn't understand what they were saying but we reckoned it was cheers for us and yeah <laughs> we heard we heard a lot <laughs> nice. so yeah and they came out to uh they they didn't come out to like a song i don't think but they came out on um or like an actual song and they came out and like stewie was on Tarek's shoulders and had the american flag hold up it was they were crowd pleasers so nice well give me a little bit of history about cloud nine like what did they go through to get to that point at e-league yeah so cloud nine acquired their first counter-strike roster in 2014 and they've gone through a lot of uh they've gone through a lot of um roster changes since then so this team has essentially uh, gone through, I think it was like 10 players, 10 different lineup changes over the last three or four years. And uh, that most recently was into last year after the summer major in Krakow. Um, they changed out Nothing, who was the longest vet on their team, uh, for Tark, And then they changed out Shroud, who was also another veteran of their team, for Rush. And both Tark and Rush are from Optic. And, uh, yeah, this team is just like... I talked to a lot of the management and talked to even like their videographer who travels with them a lot. And they're like, we've never seen a team that is this coherent in terms of chemistry. And, um, there's not been a lot of hiccups. They've just gotten better. Uh, and I talked to some of them about criticism and, and they told me like, yeah, we criticize each other, but not in the moment. Uh, we don't get super upset in the moment. It's about, we're about winning the game and then later we'll review it. And we'll go over our mistakes. 
Um, and they didn't play perfect this weekend, uh, and they certainly have some things to fix, but they played pretty damn well, I would say. It was a pretty solid event, and yeah, I mean, after a roster turmoil, none of these players are any of the original players from that lineup in 2014, so they basically have turned over the lineup in the last four years, and they finally did it. Right, right. This game, it wasn't a fluke. Like, they, no, were, sure. they were so coordinated and composed. Yeah, so when, when I saw them beat G2 Friday, I was like, whoa, that is a totally different team than what we saw even a week and a half earlier at the group stage. Like, G2 had beat them pretty single-handedly uh, in the group stage, and then they played G2 in a best of three, and they smashed G2 on G2's own map and on overpass, which North American teams aren't very good at. European teams are because they train a lot on that. And, like, Cloud9 punched them in the mouth, basically. And it was it was a really, really good series against G2, and I knew that this was a very different team after Friday night. And then Saturday, again, with SK, they beat SK. Much closer series, but... um yeah, and then Sunday, like, that was crazy. It was a double overtime finish and uh, on a map that neither team were particularly great at either. So, Right, yeah. and who was your MVP of that series? So my MVP was actually not who won the actual MVP. So uh, Skadoodle is who won the MVP, and I think it meant the most for him too um, because he is the longest standing member on this team and he's been through a lot. Um, my MVPs, there's two of them. Uh, so it was Tarek and Stewie, uh, Tarek and Stewie 2K. Um, he tweeted on Saturday at the SK series, the Tarek and Stewie show. Cause like, that's exactly what that was. That, that SK series was their result. They looked really good again on Sunday, um, with each other. And I understand why Skadoodle won. Uh, like he was the one that closed out the round for them on the final map too. Um, so like he was definitely playing better. Saturday he looked abysmal. Uh, like, Wow, he was almost non-existent, and he's been one of their best players historically. So um, he didn't play well Saturday. He did play well Sunday, uh, but I I felt like Tark and Stewie were good throughout the entire event, and that they played both well Saturday and Sunday when it really mattered. Right. And I'm going to ask you a question. I don't I don't know if this question has an answer, but what do you think this means for Cloud Nine? This win. So I talked to Jack about this a little bit, who's their owner, and. Um, it felt incredibly rewarding. I remember, so I live streamed on Periscope the press conference and I had two of their investors message me and go, wow, like we, like we didn't expect that and that was huge. And these are people who like have just gotten into esports in the last like eight months. They invest in Cloud9 over the summer and, um, it was incredibly rewarding, I think, from the ownership perspective because they've been through some really low lows. There was a point where like Cloud9 didn't even want to stay, like the team didn't even want to stay with the organization because there was just so much turmoil after like the PEA stuff and like the Counter Strike ecosystem after uh, Luminosity going to SK for ten thousand dollars a month each. Like it just kept getting inflated, and then you had teams like North who were making like fifteen thousand, sixteen thousand each per player, and so like continuous inflation. And like they were just not wanting to be with Cloud Nine and wanted to move on, and they they did stay. They came to terms and stayed. And then you had what happened last summer when they had to get rid of nothing and, and shroud. And, um, yeah, like, I think it was incredibly rewarding after, like, four years of investment for that organization to finally see them win. They've won events, but not a major. And so becoming, having that moment was huge. And I definitely think that was probably the biggest moment in North American esports ever. So, yeah. Did you ever, did you get to talk to any of the players after the games were over? I did. I got to talk to Stewie and Automatic, who have been on the team for quite a while. Um, and, uh, yeah, and I, I chatted with Skadoodle a little briefly off interview as well, and uh, Skadoodle was still crying. He was he was pretty broken up. Um, and but yeah, I mean Stewie and, and Automatic were 
very, very excited. And there's actually was a, a Twitch clip that, like, you could see Rush. So Rush was the one that, that defused the bomb on the final round because FaZe had planted it. And he went to defuse the bomb, and they all jumped out of their seats to be like, we won the game, we won, we won. And uh, Rush is like has five seconds left to defuse the bomb. And he's sitting there, like, in his chair while they're all celebrating. He jumps out of his seat after. It's just like, woo! It was funny <laughs> to just sit him. He had to sit there in the chair and yeah. hold the E button to wait to defuse. Right. And all his teammates are on the other side of the stage. Just Gotta be careful happy. with those moments, man. I know, because there have been teams that, like, early celebrate and then forget to defuse the bomb. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he, he looks at, he looks at automatic and goes, and just points like with his finger. He's like, wait, 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 wait. I gotta finish this. So, right. uh, yeah. I mean, they were pretty pretty blown away in the in the press conference and then afterwards too. When I got to talk to them, so nice. I, I imagine they were just elated. Like yeah. there must have been no words to even explain what that meant for them. Yeah, I was the first press. Or I was the first question in the press conference because some of the questions had been like very thorough in game questions. And I feel like in those moments you have to be very simple. Like I heard a lot of interviewers over the weekend ask like six part questions and the players are like what was your question again and I, like <laughs> i went up to the i like i got handed the mic first and i went like i was like my question is very simple how do you feel like just the easy like okay this is probably the best moment in these players lives like how do you feel so i, I need to ask about the after party was there one and i actually what was didn't it like? go there was one i did not go it was a twitch party uh, i had to come back home so um yeah, I, I don't know about the after party. I did get to see a lot of people Saturday night, and I got to see the players before the final. Um, and they were, like, that table that they were sitting at, we were all in the same restaurant. And I, I went over and said something to them, and they were like, one more, one more. And, like, that was that was everybody's thoughts that night on Saturday night, and then they did it. So, yeah, um, it was incredible. I, I was told that uh, FaZe and Cloud9 got together and did a round of shots at the after party, like even though well Cloud9 deserved. just beat them. Yeah. For sure. So and I think that was kind of a sign of respect from FaZe too. Right. Alright, we're going to take a, sh- a break in a second, but if you have time, you can leave us a rating and a review in iTunes and let us know how we're doing. You can also tweet us your thoughts at Rachel Youngu, at ESPN underscore esports, and at Jacob N. Wolf. Also, you can find us in the ESPN app, and if you subscribe to esports tonight, we can send you an alert whenever we have a new episode. Hey everyone, we're back with the podcast. We left off at the after party, which Jacob sadly did not get to attend, but I want to talk about some other players briefly at the event. Let's talk about some other standout performances. Who really impressed you and made a name for themselves at this event? So there's one player on SK that I just think is generally always good. So I I feel like he's at worst average and at best a star. Uh, Fur of SK was incredible. Um... If Cloud9 would have lost to SK on Saturday, probably would have said it was a result of Fur. Because Fallen and Cold Zera, who historically are their best players, they looked okay at times. They looked pretty solid, but Fur was just really good. Like, he he would catch people, like, when they were... Because there's a position in CS called a worker, which you're away from your team most of the time. You're waiting for people to rotate to you, and then you kill them. And he played work most of that game. They were just running by him and not noticing him, and he just gunned gunned down all the Cloud9 players. And like, if they would have, if SK would have won that series, it was because of him. He was really, really good on Saturday, um, and he played pretty well to it uh, on Saturday morning against their series against Fnatic, which wasn't very close. Um, but yeah, I mean, like Fur was stand out there. Um, Guardian looked great on Phase all tournament uh, and Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and. Uh, 
he was mowing Cloud9 down at every opportunity. Like, he was so much better than Skadoodle, and Guardian's considered, like, one of the best offers in the world, and he was just... Some of those shots he hit, I was blown away that he could hit those in the first place, because it's such a hard role to play, and he was just dominant. Uh, simple on Navi. Was, simple was always good, I think, in big moments. Like, he was the reason that Liquid made it to that uh, final in 2016 at ESL1 Clone, and the reason they became the first North American team to make it to a final ever um, two years ago, and he was a good again. Like every, even though Navi lost, so Navi beat QB Fire as expected, and then they uh, lost to Phase. Even in the Phase series, Navi, or Simple looked really good for Navi. So um, those would be my three other players that stuck out outside of the Cloud Nine team that actually won. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it was those three were really good and, and fun to watch. Now, a lot of our listener base are generally League of Legends fans because of all the roster podcasts that we've done in the off season. Um, what, what what would be the sports equivalent or even the League of Legends equivalent of this win for Cloud? It would, it would be North American Worlds or winning Worlds. I think like that's wow because I mean these are international tournaments with with um, twenty four teams. I think at the the major qualifier and then sixteen in group stages. Um, yeah, it, it would be the equivalent to NA winning Worlds, because there's only two of these a year. And actually playing well to win Worlds, not looking yeah. their way into the final. Right, so, like, playing through a hard bracket, because C9 beat G2, who were supposed to be, like, the French super team, and then they beat SK, who are, like, the best team in the world, and then they beat FaZe, who are, were literally built, like... One of my friends said to me, he's like, I don't like FaZe because FaZe is like the Yankees. And I was like, what do you mean? And he's like, they think they can pay pay and win a championship. And that's pretty much exactly what they were going for. And he was right in thinking that way. Um, and yeah, so I mean, this this would be the equivalent to a North American team winning Worlds in League of Legends. Now I have to ask you, I know you've been a Cloud9 fan for a long time. So what did this mean to you as a fan sitting in the audience with everyone? I tried to be, I was sitting with Cloud9 fans on both sides of me. <laughs> Unsurprising. Um, I tried to be very objective. So there was a story oh, for come me. come on, you can have fun about No, I mean, there was things. a story for me either way, right? So, like, FaZe are that team that was built to win a major, and they've not done it because they were built after the last one. So, like, the story would have been, yeah, they did it. They paid all this money, and they got all the best players in Europe, and they won a major. And, um, yeah, so, I mean, like, it was good to see it, but I took it more as, like, this is history for North American esports than just, like, yeah, Cloud9, like, and I was happy for them, but... um yeah, and obviously the story is like they make history, which is is the story now. They made history, so um, I was okay either way, regardless of who won that final. I think there was a story, and this just happened to probably be the more exciting one because it's such a big moment. But yeah, I mean, like I I mean it when I say like there is nothing in North American esports in any game, league, Dota doesn't matter. And everybody's like, oh well, t- you know, EG winning TI a few years ago, it's not the same. It like. That was a big moment, but EG was a favorite then. This was right, not. Yeah. This was not a favorite. They were not a favorite. They didn't look great in group stage. They made it into quarters, and then they played one of the best teams of the tournament at quarters and beat them. Right. So, um, yeah. I mean, this is this was bar none the best the best moment for North American esports ever. So. Right. And so for a team like FaZe who lost in the finals, where do you think they have to go from here? So we've actually already seen a bunch of teams that, that did really poorly in the majors start making roster changes. It looks like North is going to be making, they already confirmed they're making one, it looks like they're going to be making another. Um, you see people like Virtus Pro, it looks like they're going to make some changes too. There are already people that 
Uh, and then also this morning, it looked like Mouse Sports was going to be making changes. They're looking to get Dennis uh, from Fnatic, or formerly a Fnatic, to go play with them uh, and replace Stygo. So it seems like a lot of people are already making changes. If I'm this phase team, I have to try it again. I have to try and get better and win summer because they were so close. And, um, I mean, they're already qualified for this, or they're already qualified so they can't replace more than two players. Um, they're already qualified for the summer major in London. And uh, they've got six months to kind of figure it out, or seven months to kind of figure it out before September. I think they have to. Like they, they've got to try it again. I wouldn't. I wouldn't topple it over. I know a lot of people will. Like SK already made a change. Uh, they couldn't use it. it. Couldn't use him in the major because of the roster lock. So uh, SK already has bolts, and they looked better with bolts in the last couple of months than they did with Phelps prior. So um, yeah, if I I know that Phase is probably thinking blow it up, but I I would not. I would keep it together and try to try to win the next one well let me flip the question then where does cloud nine go from here there's just so much pressure on their shoulders now following this event yeah i mean they're lucky i think they'll get invited to a couple of um north american events like some of the dream hacks in north america are, are not usually very good teams i think they'll run the table on those um there are a couple of the small ones in the next couple of months so they'll probably get some more wins under their belts domestically um it's there's a short break here uh, before like the pro leagues start, like ESL pro league and ECS, um, those are online leagues, so it's really hard to predict who wins in like the groups or or the I don't even know if it's groups, but like regular season of those, it's hard to predict who gets up there. If they make it to the finals of those, which are cross country, so you you play against teams from both sides, that's where the pressure would set in, I think. Um, but again, I don't think they have huge pressure on their shoulders until the next major. And then clearly, if they don't perform there, then something's wrong. I mean, so. do you see them winning the next major or being a contender? I see them being a contender. Um, I think that, I mean, we haven't gotten to see the new Liquid either, right? Like Liquid made a roster change uh, after the lock. So we'll get to see the new Liquid again. And they're the other good, really, North American team. Um, so I don't I don't necessarily see CC9 repeating itself like i don't know if they're up to that sk level that did that or the fanatic level that that's done back-to-back majors before um but i definitely think that they will be a contender i would not be surprised if they make playoffs again and and make it to like semis or even the final if they had the bracket that favors them so and this was a hard bracket like i don't want to discredit that at all um so yeah like They'll have some smaller tournaments to play, but they won't have anything until the major. And hopefully they can keep it all together because it was a great thing to see them do this. So, Do you see more North American teams stepping up to the plate in the future? Yeah, so uh, that was actually something Tarek said. Um, Kevin Hitt from VP Sport uh, said, and also freelancers for us, he said, asked, uh, what do you see the impact of this um, for North American esports? And Tarek said, I hope this inspires everyone in North America to take esports more seriously. Like, the players is what he meant. So, like, do they not m- take it seriously compared to other cultures? No, uh, like a lot of the North American Counter Strike teams don't take it as seriously as the Europeans. A lot of the North American League of Legends teams don't take it as seriously as the Koreans that do. Um, so, I think that's what he meant. Was like, look, it gotcha. is possible. You just need to like really buckle down, like they have. Um, and yeah, so hopefully, like, hopefully he's right. I'd I'd love to see more North American teams succeed in, on an international scale in multiple esports. Um, but yeah, I, I think that, I just generally think that, that this win does mean something. It, it shows that North American teams aren't always one step behind, which they look like that in a lot of different esports. So, Right. Do you have any lasting comments 
about the event, about your experience, or any takeaways that we didn't touch on? It's a really high bar to... This is a huge bar to live up to as an event, I think, no matter where you are. Um, I have been to very few esports events like that. Uh, And even though they weren't as big as some of the ones I've been to, like Worlds at Staples Center a couple years ago was huge. Um, And some of the other events I've been to in these arenas are massive uh, and and really something. But the fact that you can do what E-League has done with, they're the highest, or they were the highest ever for a single Twitch channel and 1.13 million. And that's not even total viewership count. That was concurrent as well. Um, so we don't even know how much they had on other platforms. Um, and we're supposed to be finding that out in the next couple of days. I think that this is a huge bar uh, for esports and really like League of Legends and Dota might be League of Legends, Dota and Overwatch might be the more front facing ones because they're so solidified with money, but nothing is as exciting as Counter-Strike like that and really good Counter-Strike. There's nothing as that exciting um, because of the way it's played, because it's in rounds, because there's always a stake, you know, like it didn't look like Cloud9 was always going to win that. And uh, it looked, it was back and forth, momentum swing, momentum swing. And, and you can see that online when you watch it on Twitch, but really can see that in person when you get to see those player cams, you get to see them on that stage and how they look. And so... Yeah, I mean, it's a huge bar set for all of esports, not just North American. Um, and that's what I think esports should continue to look like in the next couple of years. Wow, well said. 1.13, I mean, 1.3 million? 1.13 million. 1.3 million. Wow. Concurrence on Twitch. That's crazy. Yeah, huge. And E-League was the one that held the record for that. Uh, they like they held that record January 2017, right. and then they beat their record again uh, for wow. January 2018. So. Good for them. Yeah, it was huge. It, it was, seems it was like good. you've been inspired by this event a little. Yeah, I definitely have. And I think um, I, I actually asked Turner because uh, normally they broadcast it on TBS too. They didn't even broadcast any of this event on TBS because they said that what they found is that their um, their content, like their documentaries and stuff that they build around events. So they're going to put out a documentary called The Road to Boston in a couple of weeks and uh, in February, and they're going to put that on TBS. But they actually didn't put the competition on TBS because linear television isn't really for esports, but they got a ton of eyeballs online. So Wow, wait, interesting. When is this coming out again, this documentary feature? Or I think there it was like February online? 12th. It was, it was in a couple of weeks um, on oh. TBS. So I think that'll translate much better to it's someone easier. who has cable. It's, look, so like the thing is with linear television, and we encounter this here because we're ESPN, and we broadcast things like Madden on, on television, and we've done Evo as well. Um these people are cable nevers. They've never had a cable subscription. They're not cord cutters. They, they just have never had it, right? Unless their parents did. And then they move out on their own and they don't care. They have everything online to consume, right? There's plenty of things on Facebook now and YouTube and Twitch. Like there's plenty of places to consume content and get that kind of part of your life done. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think building personal interest stories, which we actually got to see a preview of the documentary in right. the arena on Sunday, mm-hmm. um, where it's more about the person and less about the game. I think that's the right way to go with, with linear programming, because then you can buy into the person, even though you don't understand the game. Absolutely. Wow. I'm looking forward to that. February. I'll even visit my parents who have cable, because I do not at home. But See, you're part of the generation. Exactly. Uh, well, that's all the time we have for the podcast today. Thank you, Jacob, for giving me your insight into the competition. For more esports content, check out ESPN.com slash esports. Or you can follow us on Twitter at Rachel Youngku and at Jacob and Wool. Thanks for listening to the ESPN Esports Podcast.